Welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons to the Dragons podcast. Well, if it's official, I'll it pay is, attention. It's official. Okay. I mean, get your act together there, I'm Shelley Mazzanobo. talking like the 30s newscaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stake my pulets around it. And now, on Dragon Talk. <laughs> what, what, what's going to happen today on Dragon Talk? Well, we have a very special guest, a friend of the show. We do. It's Mr. Wolfgang Bauer. Yay. The Monkey King. The raccoon baller on. The cobalt in chief. Oh, right. All of the things. That too. We're going to talk. And friend of the show. And a very good friend of the show. He's going to be, what, the third time we've yeah. had him on? Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing now. It's good that he's so close by and also uh, we like him. And clearly like, doesn't have that much to do. No, he's no, willing to very, just come talk to us. Very easy job. I mean, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's tremendous. Uh, Ryan, I think, has given him a thumbs up, so that's why he's a friend that's of the show. That's why he's a friend of the show. Yeah. Finally, somebody has won over Ryan. I know. Took a tough long time. Tough man. <laughs> One tough cookie. <laughs> I don't even know how we managed to keep coming back. I don't know. Maybe mm. I, I think we pay him. I think that's part of it. <laughs> oh, like all great friendships. Exactly. <laughs> There's money exchange. Yes. Right? That's how you guys do it. That's right? how I'm all friends with all my friends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, including my daughters and my wife. And your wife, clearly. Exactly. It's, it's a contract. I mean, there's no way you would have gotten someone like Aaron. No, right, exactly. Paying her. I had to get her the big Wizards of the Coast bucks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sad face. You all. So, Tales from the Yawning Portal is a, is a compendium of adventures that is coming out in April, April 4th. Right. Why, do I, why do I have an accent? Because you today's, this. today's show involves accents. It, we're going to show us all the My bad accents. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's, it's been a long time Sorry, coming. I'm the not going to do that one. Uh, it'll be in game stores March 24th. You can check it out. Yep. It's got seven awesome adventures uh, from D&D's past uh, all the way up to D&D future. Wait, no, what? it's not in the future. Oh. Present? Well, not really the present. Mm, the no. more recent past. We'll go with that. Okay. Uh, it is very fun, and I can't wait for you guys to check it out. I've been looking at some of the galleys and or PDFs of it, and yeah. uh, it looks pretty amazing. Jeremy Crawford and Emmy Tanji do amazing work yes, laying do. it all out uh, with the interior art stylings of Kate Irwin mixing it up. It's a good team right there. Yeah. And as Mike Merle said, uh, in uh, the, in we have the advantage of republishing these adventures and knowing what moments or what parts of the adventure kind of enter the gaming consciousness, uh, and so we could get that art commissioned. Like we can be like, oh, this is the moment that everybody oh, talks about. So true. we actually do that, but in an adventure that nobody has seen before or. or much less yeah. people have seen. It's harder to dramatize which moments are going to be very popular or, you know, enter the zeitgeist, as it were. So it's been kind of cool that we could commission that artwork and, and you know. I want to see the artwork for Tomb of Horrors then. That's right. Which And so there's new maps. I believe Mike Schley, uh, oh, cartographer, cool, cool. Uh, made some new maps. So that'll be very good for those of you trying to run it in fifth edition. Um, I don't think he did all of them, but I think he did a, a fair number of them. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have... We'll probably have all the interior art team on uh, again. I really like talking to yeah. Jeremy and Emmy. Maybe we'll add too. Kate to the mix as well. Yes. We'll get as many people into this room as possible. Yes. We need more chairs. More chairs. Start gathering them now. All right. We'll do it now. 
All right. We'll get our minions together. So that'll be really fun. Go check that out when it comes out. We'll have more uh, Lori Cheneau segments uh, leading up to it about each one of those adventures. Oh, yeah. I just, I just made that up right That's now. That's a great idea. Well, let's do it. You want, you want to come Tina? to our Lori Cheneau yeah. uh, recording segments? Yeah. All right, cool. Shelly's just, sure. sure, I'll do anything. Yeah. We need more chairs. <laughs> it's cool, Shelly. It's cool. Nice. All right, well, and... Uh, I love listening to them. They're good, aren't they? Yes. They're some of the best podcast parts that you listen to. That's the best part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she said straight face. Mm-hmm. Not a hint of irony. No. Uh, so, yeah, let's go listen to one of those segments right now. Or do we want to do a stage advice? What do you think, Ryan? He's, he's looking at me. He's like, yeah, I think you should definitely do this. No, he's shrugging. He's definitely shrugging. We'll do a stage advice. Okay. I think I want to hear from Jeremy. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, spell targeting and how you figure out how that works in 5th edition rules as well mm. as some corner cases. I need to hear very that. Very interesting stuff. It's very long, but it will be worth it. Worth okay. your while. Okay. I think. All right. Uh, welcome to another edition of Sage Advice with Jeremy Crawford. Hello, Jeremy. Hi there. How's it going? Doing pretty well. Good. This is our first Sage Advice recording of 2017. How exciting. It is exciting. Uh, today we're going to talk about spell targeting uh, and all of the fun things that can happen when you split spells and who you're, who you're looking at and uh, whether or not uh, your spell goes off. All yeah, the- spell, spell targeting... Uh, generates surprising number of questions, actually, mm. um, partly because there are so many different types of spells. There are spells that target just you. There are spells that target one other guy. There are spells that target a couple guys, spells that explode in a big area, uh, you know, spells that open portals to other planes of existence, and then things get even trickier when you start throwing in, like, the sorcerer's metamagic and, right. and twin spells. Uh so a lot of questions swirl around spell casting and specifically targeting. Uh, who can you target? Uh, who's a valid target? And um, I think that also comes into play a lot more with this edition because many people have adopted the theater of the mind kind of style of play versus the very tactical of what you can see on a, on a grid. You know, it's a lot easier when you have a minis and you know exactly how far away things are. Uh, but if you're playing in, in the, you know, without miniatures and without that physical representation of the game world, it can be very difficult to think about, well, is that 60 feet away? Or is, what, am, what, what am I, what can I see actually as the character and what can I target? So Yeah, yeah, because that, that introduces a whole other dimension to it. And that is, is the target within range? Are they standing inside this big sphere of fire that just exploded? Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it can be a... a, a a complex bundle of things to unpack. Uh, one of the things I want to say right at the outset that is uh, a misconception that often comes up related to spell targeting mm-hmm. is that uh, a spell does not require you to see your target unless the spell says you do. Uh, mm. Players will often think things need to be within line of sight for them to target them with their spell. That's only true for spells that say, and the, they usually say it in some form of like, you know, choose <coughs> one creature you can see, that kind of thing. It will be language that talks about you seeing the target. Um, otherwise, you can shoot in the dark. Um, you know, if it's, 
if a spell involves an attack roll, our attack rules already have ways of dealing with you attacking something you can't see. Right. You have disadvantage. Um, we're also assuming you've guessed correctly in terms of where the person is actually standing. You know, if you say, all right, I shoot at the guy over to my left, but the DM actually knows the guy's hiding over to your right, well, you just shot at an empty space. And you did so with disadvantage because you couldn't see the person. Um, <laughs> Uh, so you really, really missed. Yeah, that's extra miss. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, uh, then there are you know spells like fireball where uh, you're targeting a, a point in space initially, right. and then the fire erupts from there. And many area of effect spells like fireball and lightning bolt don't require you to see a thing. So you could be in a big dark cavern and just launch off uh, you know, the little bead the bead of orange light or red light that shoots out from your finger and erupts into a fireball. Um, and then you'll, you'll see, you'll get some light briefly as it explodes. Right. You got a flash of where everybody is. And then, yeah, like a, what was that movie? Pitch Black? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where, yeah, yeah. I can see that. And I, I actually, I often imagine D&D fights in dungeons and caves being a bit like the Pitch Black movie where there are these, I, and I even describe it that way when I'm DMing. That yeah. suddenly, you know, Big stark shadows cast across the room as the you know different spells are suddenly exploding in these dimly lit spaces or completely dark spaces. It's a really evocative way to to think about it for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and something that DMs. Uh, it's a little segue, but I mean uh, a, a tangent. But it's something DMs um, can do to really enhance their descriptions of battle is think about the lighting and the sound that's created by different spell effects. Right. Because uh, if you think about it as a movie, uh, I don't know, it's, I think some D&D combats might give us seizures because <laughs> if, if we were watching flashing. it on screen, yeah, there are all these flashing lights and, and explosions. Yeah. And it's a big mess. Yeah. So it's, so it's nice to be able to, to put some logic behind how the targeting works so that it doesn't become quite such a mess. It feels like it makes sense. Yeah. So, so really... Uh, before going even deeper into into targeting, uh, we should pause a moment and define our terms. What the heck do I even mean by a target? Right. Uh, sometimes people will debate, well, what does target mean? Partly because targeting was a closely defined concept in the previous edition of the game, fourth edition. And so players who moved from that edition to fifth edition will often expect a similar precision in fifth about what is a target. Because mm. in, in the spells and other powers of fourth edition, every one of them had a line called target, and the target of the effect was very carefully defined. In fifth edition, it's a bit more open-ended because the word target doesn't actually have any game meaning in fifth edition. The rules use the word target a lot, so the word is certainly very important to the rules, but at no point do the rules redefine uh, what that word means you know, for the game or give it any special meaning beyond what the word means in English. <laughs> and, and this is really, this is a, a, a general principle in our rules, right. that if, if the rules do not specifically add meaning to an English word or take meaning away, or completely change the meaning, it simply means what it means in idiomatic English. And so when the rules say target, they really mean the 
the English definition, and granted, many English words actually have multiple meanings. Right, right. So, so it, it's understandable that sometimes there's confusion. Uh, but the meaning that the rules are getting at is when you just you choose someone or something to be subjected to some kind of effect. That's one of the common ways the word target is used in English. So a, a very uh, verbose way of thinking about the word target is whenever it appears in the rules, it just means that thing or person you picked. That it, that's all target means. It's yeah, just, it's, it's just, your choice. Yeah, it's a, it's a concise way of saying that that object, that creature, or whatever it else, whatever it else it is that the spell or other effect told you to choose, mm-hmm. it's that thing you chose. That's your target. Uh, Makes and, sense. And so it, it is really it is that simple. And so, any time a spell is telling you to pick a creature or an object or a point in space to be affected by something. Really, that thing is functioning in that moment as a target of some kind. And uh, people sometimes ask, well, can a spell be used uh, on creatures and objects interchangeably? Well, a spell will always tell you if you're targeting creatures, objects, or both with it. Mm. And if a spell, like Hold Person, uh, says you're picking a humanoid, it means it just targets humanoids. You right. can't you can't cast it on a door. Uh, it's not going to work on a dog. What um, happens in in you know I guess it's up to the DM, but like what happens when they do that? Do you just say it can't happen, or does the spell fizzle and you use this lose the slot? Like what? It, that it's a great question, and it's actually a little gap in the rules. Mm. Um, it 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 is it is something that at some point we will. Uh, add in uh, when it makes sense to, uh, because the rules are actually silent on this point. It was one of those things once the game was out, and despite multiple years of playtesting, never came up. Yeah, we we never actually address this directly. Yeah. Uh, so, I feel like it's a DM's choice. You yes, because there are definitely some DMs who who will be more punishing and say, you know, you chose an uh, invalid target, so therefore the spell. Uh, you know, the energies and everything that you had spent up uh, conjuring with the spell language are now gone, and then therefore it's gone from your memory. Right. And so some DMs, if, they, if, if they're feeling uh, a little more strict, would have the spell slot expended. Yeah. Uh, the, the intent, and it's funny now to express a rule's intent for a rule that does not exist, <laughs> but, but my intent... Uh, for the DMs who are interested in knowing, you know, what the design intent is behind the game, yeah, is that nothing would happen. So the action or bonus action or reaction that was used to cast the spell, that would be wasted, but the spell slot would not be. So it's basically the spellcaster who spent the time casting the spell. You know, they, they said there. Their Ugo Booga or their Abracadabra, whatever the, their verbal component is, and yeah. they waved their fingers and they pointed at somebody, and then just sort of fizzled. Nothing happens, but no magic actually occurred uh, because a lot of our spells, sort of the narrative behind them, is that there's almost a connection that's created in a split second when you cast a spell at someone or something, mm. and so if sort of the receiver isn't there. Uh, 
Um, the no connection is made. No connection is made. No energy is transferred. You know, right. that kind of idea. Exactly. Yeah. And I like that that interpretation or that intent of the rule, you know, uh, as a personal DM too, because that encourages experimentation without being uh, too punishing. Right. Right. So people can be like, well, I don't know if this will work or not. And maybe it'll be a way to figure out more about this monster or this adversary, you know, by doing X, Y, and Z, but not feeling like, okay, the one thing I can cast today just got wasted on, you know, what was essentially a flip of the coin. Right. And and it, and it can happen quite easily because uh, a spellcaster might be facing a a creature that is shape-changed to look like a humanoid, for instance. But the creature might be a fiend, and you try to cast Hold Person on them, and nothing happens. Um, And that's a good way to get story out, too, like to be like, well, this is the the thing that you thought is actually different. And, you know, I feel like that's a great fantasy trope that, that, you know, is reinforced by, by this interpretation. Yeah. But again, it's really up to the DM because the rules are silent on this point. Interesting. Um, the, the, the rules as written uh, sort of assume you will always choose correctly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which, is, uh, which is an assumption that does not it's actually very, play out. In very all the generous time. To, uh, to the players. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it has this almost, the, the rules right now have almost this naive view of the game that like while you're walking around you'll look at somebody and like oh i see a little sign over them it says you know creature right humanoid humanoid. (laughs) 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 that is an object well no actually it's a mimic right so it's a creature now that all said the reason why this has to remain in the dm's hands for now Mm -hmm. is there are enough corner cases uh involving targeting and whether something is actually the type of creature you need to be targeting or whether it's an object that in this sort of this gap that's in the rules, only the DM can fill it right now. Because someone might listen to this and they might think, wait a second, is Jeremy suggesting that if I make, say, a spell attack against something that's a creature, then I find out it's not a creature, did I spend the spell slot or not. Well, yes, you did because spell attacks are actually in a different category. Right. Because you might just miss. Uh, in Now, but then, of course, there's the question of, well, what if you hit, but it wasn't actually a creature? So this this is, again, why it, the DM's going to have to make a decision uh, until a time when we we add right. some rules to this part of the to game. To kind of help it out. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it should always be the DM's choice because they want to, they'll be the ones who can make the, the choice of what is best for their session at that moment. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And again, the the way I always run it uh, f- when when I'm the DM is if, if a person has targeted something that is actually impossible for the spell to target, yeah. uh, I have them waste the action, reaction, or bonus action that they use to cast the spell, but not the spell slot. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so you also mentioned uh, twinning of spells and how that can complicate these matters as far as targeting goes. Yes. So uh, sorcerers have... Uh, a, a feature called metamagic that uh, allows them to manipulate their spells. They have this because sorcerers have an intimate relationship to magic, unlike anybody else, because sorcerers have, like, you know, it's magic is in their very blood. Yes. And so they can uh, alter some of their spells using their metamagic feature. And one of the options in that feature is twin spell. 
And this feature has easily generated more questions uh, in the game than any other class feature since the edition came out. Uh, and, and it makes sense that it does because we're asking the sorcerer player to use their spells in a clever way and you know, find the spells where normally it only targets one creature and now they get to target two. I mean, that's, a, that's an enticing option. But again, it generates a number of questions because while some spells are very cut and dried, I'll go back to hold person. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, hold person says you pick one creature and you cast a spell on it. Right. That's obvious. It Easy. targets one creature. But then there are other spells where it's not quite as obvious. Um, now, first, let's talk about what twin spell actually lets you do. It lets you add another target to a spell, but only if that spell on its own can target only one creature. And it's also not a spell that has a range of self. Some spells have a range of self, which means you can only cast it on yourself. Those spells are not eligible for twin spell. And a spell that is capable of targeting more than one person, not eligible. It has to be capable of targeting only one creature. But again, because there are some spells where it's not entirely clear to people what does targeting mean, mm. then questions start coming up. Uh, so first, uh, I'll talk about area spells. Area spells, like Fireball, yeah. involve the spellcaster initially not choosing any creatures as targets or any objects, or you know whatever else the spell might be asking you to harm or help, it's asking you to choose a point in space. It then explodes out, and the spell even then refers to the creatures who are potentially affected by the explosion. It refers to them as targets. Uh, so here, asterisk, now I'm going to do a footnote and talk a little more about what does target mean. Uh, because as I said before, English words often have multiple meanings. Yes. So before I said one of the English meanings is it's someone you pick to be affected by some, something. Yeah. Well, another meaning related to that in the word target is just something to be affected. Uh, and so the difference there is the question of choice. Because mm. people listening to this podcast earlier might have thought, well, Jeremy is saying a target, it's only when you pick the thing. But if you look at the text of Fireball, it even refers to the people caught in the explosion as targets. Uh, was that intentional? That was very intentional on my part. Okay. Uh, I, Why is that? What, what, uh, because of the twin spells or just because? In, in be, because I wanted to make it clear that the game uses target even in that sort of softer English meaning of just someone or something to be affected by something. So doesn't even necessarily involve choice mm. uh, on the part of the targeter. Right. Um, because in a fireball, they may not even know if a creature or something is in the area of effect, and they will still, like a, an invisible creature, for example, will still be affected by fireball. Exactly. Uh, and, and so, again, it was very intentional on my part because um, I remember the text didn't even originally use the word target. Mm. Uh, and it was something in late development of the player's handbook uh, that... That got added in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and because of effects like Fireball, uh, uh, Mike Merles and I often refer to them as 
to whom it may concern affects. <laughs> Where, you know, sometimes sometimes I'll write write a letter like, you know, dear Greg. You yeah. know, I, I send you emails and they're addressed to Greg. Yes. Um, but I might but I might also, you know, especially if I was writing a handwritten letter to a to maybe my senator. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, no, that's not a bad example because I know I know. Uh, but like to the DMV or to yes, the, exactly, to, to exactly. Yeah, I know m- one of my senators is Patty Murray, so I wouldn't do to whom you to, to whom it may <laughs> yeah. concern. But uh, but sometimes, yeah, you'll write to an organization and you don't know who's going to be you, reading it. You don't know who's going to be reading it. But in a way, to whom it may concern is the target. If we're going to use the game terms in that letter. The person you want to take fire damage. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and so Fireball is capable of affecting multiple to whom it may concerns. So uh, in that case, it is not eligible for a twin spell. Exactly. Not only because initially you're not even targeting a creature, you're actually targeting a point in space, mm-hmm. but then when the fire blooms out... Uh, right. It has the potential of affecting multiple creatures. And sleep is another good example yes. of something that's ineligible because even though it can only affect one creature, it has the possibility to affect multiple creatures. Exactly. And it is, for twin spell, it is that mere possibility that is important. Um, people ask about magic missile. They'll mm. say, well, what if I direct all the magic missiles at one creature? That isn't, that isn't what's relevant. What's relevant is that Magic Missile is capable of targeting multiple creatures. Mm-hmm. If, it's cap- if a spell is capable of targeting multiple creatures, it is ineligible uh, for Twin Spell. Now, why, just getting behind the, the thinking behind Twin Spell, was this used to make it uh, less, you know, res- uh, like make it restrictive in a way. So, like, yes, it's a very powerful metal magic thing that you can do, but it only affects a small number of spells. Yeah, it it is meant to be restrictive. Okay. Um, first of all, many spells already have built in the ability to affect multiple people, uh, and so in many cases, it's actually redundant um, to add additional creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, fireball, for instance, can already affect. Um, as many people are as in that the that bubble. are in the area, right? Um, and so, so we so we wanted to sort of weed out that redundancy, uh, and we wanted to keep it focused on effects like hold person and and a number of other spells that, when cast at certain levels can normally only target one creature. And Got we it. wanted the sorcerer to then be able to stretch that uh, to a second creature. Um, this twin spell is not meant to be useful all the time. Mm. And that, that's actually, it's an important point sometimes uh, for, for players to keep in mind. There are many interesting options, uh, and, and twin spell is just one among many in the player's handbook, that aren't meant to be the best choice in every single circumstance. Mm-hmm. We, we want you to have interesting choices and different choices. Sometimes twin spell for the sorcerer will be absolutely awesome. You know, that moment where you can, you can shut down two people at once mm-hmm. uh, when another spellcaster would only be able to shut down one. Uh, that could mean the difference between uh, victory and defeat. Right. Uh, 
it's but like, it, it's but like, it's not always again. It's not always going to be the best choice. It's almost like a uh, for some what calls to mind is a strategy game where sometimes there's you know bonuses that happen if you I've been playing a lot of Civilization Six. So if you build a holy district next to a mountain, you get a bonus from that. And sometimes there's multiple mountains around that holy district, and it's the best situation in the world is to put a holy district there because you get the benefit from all of them. But that won't happen all the time, and it may not even be the best choice. But when it is optimal. That's when you, as a player, you get that, 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 that exhilaration of being like, I am using this feature to its fullest extent, and that's what feels good, but it's not meant to be an always-on type situation. Exactly. Uh, now, uh, there are a few other types of spells that cause questions related to twin spell. I've dealt with straightforward area of effect spells like Fireball yeah. or single-target spells like Hold Person. Right. The ones that are in a gray area are spells that have you choosing a creature, doing something to that creature, and then something else happens that might affect more creatures. Great examples of of this sort of spell are Ice Knife and uh, Green Flame Blade. Mm. Uh, Ice Knife appeared uh, in Princes of the Apocalypse. That adventure had a a set of spells... um, elementally themed that it added to the game. Yeah. And then Green Flame Blade um, uh, appeared in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide as one of the the few spells added there. In each of those spells, you target a creature and you do something to them. Uh, In the case of Ice Knife, you you, uh, make a spell attack. In the case of Green Flame Blade, uh, you make a weapon attack. Then Green Flame Blade lets you pick a different creature uh, to cause some additional damage to that creature. And then Ice Knife, it causes this explosion around the creature you hit with Mm. your spell attack. And so people ask, are those sort of the secondary creatures, are they considered targets for the purposes of Twin Spell? The answer is yes, they are. Uh, this goes back to what I was saying just a little while ago about to whom it may concern. Right, because the potential for them to be targets yeah. is what is important. Yes. So in in Ice Knife's case, they're to whom it may concern targets because you're not picking them. There's just an explosion around the person, and those people might take damage. Yeah. Then in Green Flame Blade, you're actually picking uh, the the secondary target. So in that case, it's a little more obvious that you because you're actually making a choice that you are targeting. Yeah. But even an ice knife in the more broad definition of targeting, the kind of to whom it may concern targeting, you're also targeting there. Um, so really, it, it just comes down to if multiple creatures are affected by a spell, that spell is not eligible for twin spell. Now, I, we talked about it being restricted, but it's also there's a kind of story thing of this too like the i i mean uh, i've said splitting before when when talking about this feature but it isn't splitting it actually is twinning mm-hmm. which has a very to me almost like a uh a meta magic kind of story behind it was like you know you're giving birth to this spell and they're equally identical in genetic makeup and they're affecting the same you know creature in the same thing so i can get behind that idea a little bit more once you conceptualize it that way yeah yeah and it it helps more non-damaging spells than damaging spells. Oh, okay. Interesting. There, there are some damaging spells, for sure, that can benefit from twin spell, but there are also a lot of other spells that impose various right. um, conditions on targets that, 
that can benefit from it. Cool. Uh, what other targeting kind of problems have you encountered in, in the years since uh, uh, Fifth Edition's been out here? Uh, so people often uh, wonder, um, do I always need a clear path uh, to a target of a spell? And, and the answer is, yes, you do. Uh, a, a, a creature or an object cannot be targeted by a spell if it is behind total cover. And total cover... Um, you know, it, it's the things you'd expect. A, a, you're behind a wall. Uh, you're you're behind a you know a big redwood tree uh, mm-hmm. that that completely uh, conceals you. Uh, is that true for spells that specifically say you have to see the target, or is that just all spells? All. So the general rule is that all spells require a clear path to to the target. What's the difference between clear path and line of sight then? Uh, so. Line, line of sight is you actually have to see them. In this case, clear means clear of obstruction. I see. Not not clear as in you can see them. Uh, it, it's <laughs> stupid English with I know. the multiple meanings I of know. words. <laughs> I know. I I I actually have a a ton of sympathy for our our many players for whom English is a second language. Yes. Because uh, the. One of the things I love about answering rules questions on Twitter is that many of the people ask the questions uh, are speaking English as a second or third or fourth language. Right. So these interpretations can be more difficult for them. Yes. And so I'm often in my mind thinking, all right, the next time I write this rule, yeah. <laughs> I will I will use different or more or in some cases fewer words uh, yeah. with with these double meanings in mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, but just the word clear, uh, you know, if you read the rule, it, it, it then, it's illuminated that it's really referring to physical obstruction. But yeah, your question is a question that has come up. Does that mean I have to be able to see it? And that's why at the beginning of this, I said, no, you don't have to see your target. Right. Um, only but those seem contradictory, but, but once you kind of unpack it all, it makes sense. It, it really just means there can't be a wall there. Right. Um, people sometimes ask, though, what about if it's a window? You know, let's say you're, you, you can see through a closed glass window, uh, and I can even see the, the, the creature object I want to target. Uh, can I cast the spell at them? The answer is no, mm. uh, because the, that pane of glass is providing total cover. And what is the, the thought process behind that? Like the magical energy can't penetrate beyond between these things, or is it, you know? It, that, that is the, the basic narrative. Again, it's this idea of, of magic creating connections. I see. Um, and, and many of our spells even talk about things shooting out. I mean, even, you know, Fireball talks about this little bead of light that shoots out from your outstretched finger. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, in the case of Fireball, let's say, let's say you, you see a guy down, you know, you're, you're inside a tower, you see a guy outside, and there's a window there that, you, that you're seeing the guy through. Yeah. But we'll, we'll say that glass is so clean, so well made, you don't see it. And so you cast fireball at the guy outside. What will happen is the fireball will explode as soon as it meets uh, the obstruction. The obstruction. And, th- and that's a rule that's in the, the spellcasting chapter in the player's handbook, that if, if you select a point of origin for an area of effect, but 
the spell meets an an, a, a unknown obstruction between your intended point of origin and mm. you, it the spell occurs as soon as it hits that obstruction. Oh, yeah. Um, God, so now I can be like a really bad and evil DM by putting lots of invisible walls <laughs> and invisible creatures <laughs> That's right. right in front of a spellcaster <laughs> at any given moment so that his most powerful fireball goes off and they all get incinerated. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Now, now there are, there are spells uh, that create exceptions uh, to this, this rule about uh, needing a path clear of obstruction. Um, uh, one one cantrip that I think many cleric players uh, don't realize is uh, is breaking this rule is sacred flame. Oh, okay. Uh, sacred flame is one of the low level spells that that has this text, and I'll read it right 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 from the book. It says the target gains no benefit from cover for this saving throw. That not only means that if they have half cover or three quarters cover, uh, they don't get the bo- the regular bonus that they would get uh, to their saving throw against this spell. Mm-hmm. But people often forget there are three types of cover: half there's half cover, three quarters cover, and total cover. So they're getting no benefit from cover. That's what the spell says. So that includes total cover. So Sacred Flame is one of the few spells that allows you to target somebody even if they're behind total cover. Now, the spell does say that you must see the creature. So Sacred Flame is one where you can be looking through the window from inside the tower and cast it on somebody outside. Mm -hmm. The narrative reason for that, the, the reason why I wrote this this way, is Sacred Flame is coming down from above the person. I That's see. the idea oh. of the cleric is calling sort of this divine energy down on the target. Uh, and it it is not it it is not actually shooting out from the cleric. It's coming down. Right. Uh, Which is an exception. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in the game, the exceptional always beats the general. Right. And so so Sacred Flame is a cheaty spell <laughs> that, <laughs> all right. that, that can bypass uh, total cover. Good tip for all you uh, cleric players out there who may be uh, uh, discriminating against Sacred Flame. Yes, or Sacred Flame can... it the Little cantrip can be cast at somebody on the other side of a wall of force if you can see that person. Where, whereas their higher-level spells... That are most likely can't by that by that wall of force. Right, force. and it can be twins too if you were a sorcerer cleric. Mm. <laughs> right, you're right because <laughs> it can only target one. Mm-hmm. All right, excellent. So you can you can there start piling on the exceptions. I think we've we've uh, uh, we've broken the game <laughs> by <laughs> <No>. telling people. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we have not. This is this is the game working as intended. Excellent. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I don't. I think that's that kind of covers some of the the questions we get with targeting. I'm sure there'll be more uh, that we can touch on in future ones. But uh, thank you, Jeremy, for taking the time to to talk through some of these issues. It always, you know, I think I think enlightens everybody. I, I always enjoy it. Awesome. Where can people find you and possibly ask you more uh, tantalizing questions? <laughs> the, the best place is on Twitter. Uh, I am at Jeremy E. Crawford there. And if a person has a question that's too long for Twitter, uh, the question can be sent to sageadvice at wizards.com. Awesome. Send in your questions and uh, uh, we'll have another segment of Sage Advice and make the answer. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. 
That was a really good sage advice segment from uh, Jeremy Crawford. Do you know how to target spells now? Yep. Shelly? Yeah. Yeah? What about twinning spells? Do you know how that all works? Yes. Good. See? that's I, we've, we've Jobs are done. I've done that. How many times have you twinned a spell? Well, a lot. Was there some in vitro fertilization going on? Is that why there's twinning <laughs> no, of spells? No, twinning of the spells runs in my family. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Yes. You're yeah. on the, the Pisces sign, I see. No. All right. Well, um, I oh, I see. I have a message here oh. from Wolfgang Bauer. He has arrived. Go get him. I'm going to go get him and bring him forthwith. Bring chocolate. I mean... Chocolate? Maybe not. Oh, no. My pants. How many short. points? Too many. Well, hello. 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 How are you? Good to see Fabulous. You. How are you? I'm uh, slightly belated, but I made it. Okay. Not at all. You're exactly uh, when I, you I wanted to be here. did say about 4.30. So exactly. Oh, well, look at you, right. Mr. Prompt. Kind of. Editors, people in publishing. Time. <laughs> they have deadlines they have matter. Look, it's got a spit screen. I feel I even hey. more professional. Oh, yeah, now you can spit away. We're real. <laughs> we actually refer to you <laughs> as a friend of the show. Ooh. You're true. our first one. What? <laughs> our first friend I'm the first ever. friend. Oh, you don't have any other friend. Now I feel sad for you. Wants to come back. I do. See, I like it. Well, because I see you in person. They have to do it on a phone. Yeah, it's never quite the same. It's true. It's true. They don't have a spit screen. Like they don't have a spit these screen. Things. Yeah, and these have like and they're the actual furry. fur oh, on them. Ooh, now I can hear how awesome the microphones are. All right. Nope. All right. So, <laughs> welcome, Wolfgang Bauer. Hey, it's good to be here. Good, good to be yay. back. Yay! Oh my God, I got invited back. Yay! Twice yay. now. Twice. Yeah. In- yeah, you're right. Back, invited three times. It's basically back every twice. six months. Oh. It's a yeah. thing now. All right, Is every it, six months, has I'll it mark been it down. Six months. Yeah. I think it has. It was summer. Yeah. Oh, I think it was July. That? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember summer when it was warm? <laughs> <laughs> when it was daylight. <laughs> there was light and warmth. Oh. And we were we were so innocent then. That was just a myth. We had no idea about the apocalypse to come. I was probably still wrapped in a blanket. Deep in the Seattle darkness and apocalypse at this point. It's pretty dark. Exactly. Is it raining out there now? Yes. And there's traffic. Yeah, and it's horrible traffic. Right. Nothing good out there. Let's live here in the bunker. (laughs) My friend was, uh, they were talking about Twinkies and how Twinkies never are supposed to go bad. And then he's like, well, no, they go bad. And I'm like, only in Seattle. He like yeah. had he had like Twinkies in well, the package still that had mold on them. Oh, I was going to just ask, like, how does a Twinkie go bad? Yeah. I, it molded? Molded. That's why he was like as incredulous as you are. We were like, we thought this would never happen. Aren't they only ra- irradiated Seattle. food? Isn't yeah. that the thing? And they're like full of preservatives, like specifically designed to it, but not in Seattle. Maybe no. that's your modern Twinkie, not yeah. the standard of workmanship of your Somebody old Somebody probably right. like finally made them take some of those preservatives out or I don't know. It could be it could be a change of recipe because yeah. the didn't they like didn't they, like the people making some Twinkies like go out of business? They did and them. then they came back. Yeah. All right, Ooh. next you'll tell me that iron rations go bad. No. MREs? No. Never. No. All right, good. Okay. That's Faith so in man restored. Twinkie <laughs> is Twinkie hostess? It was. Okay. Yes, and now it's yeah, some so venture changed. capital who's it? Do you remember? Yeah. You, do you remember Tasty Cakes? I do. Right. Yeah, I would never eat those. What? Are you kidding? No. Butterscotch crimpets. Those are my jam. What? Oh, really? Mine too. My dad used to continuously send them to me. I finally said, I can't. You can't keep doing this. Yeah. Those huh. change too. The recipes change on those too. They're still really good. Mm. You can still peel the frosting off with your teeth. That's all that's important. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Oreo cookie. It's, it's right the Oreo only. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, covered so in it. Good. 
slathered in those in little coffee trans cakes. Fats. Mm. Trans fat, yum. Mm, the fat. <laughs> Love the best fat. fat. Yeah. Trans fat. Is, is it dinner yet? <laughs> I know. Now <laughs> I'm just hungry, you guys. Yeah. I'm hungry for hungry all the time for gaming grub. Wait, you know. gaming grub? No. 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 Nothing. Pizza. Pizza's mm, good. Yum. I had to eat pizza. So we were talking on our way down here that you, were, yes. you had a good uh, New Year's. You did some I gaming? Did, I did a little gaming. It was mostly board gaming. Um, nice. There was a, a game called Escape, which is a very fast action, roll a lot of dice, kind of Escape the Tomb board Ooh, game. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that was fun. And one called uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Which is bluffing and uh, uh, a table full of role players all bluffing each other. I love that game, and not just because I won, right? I was, <laughs> <laughs> it was you pre- won. Go I, figure. I, well, it was my first time playing it, and I didn't know what I was doing, and people apparently, I have a poker face. Oh. Or, no, actually, I don't. I'll tell you my secret of success for Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay. The secret, secret of my success is to look hapless, um, because part of the goal is to bluff and smuggle stuff through past the sheriff. Right. And I would try to look as guilty as possible when I wasn't smuggling anything, and as innocent as possible every time I was smuggling something. Okay. And they bought it. I mean, I didn't think I was so that great really, an actor. They just thought, like, oh, he can't hide it. He's right. Really he's, he's just yeah. totally right. We can totally read him. They didn't catch on. And they didn't catch on. But now they're oh. going to know the next time they play. Yeah, I've given that all away. Yeah, right. But, but no, it's no, a great After they listen to this, no, the next game. time you play, you have to do the exact same thing because they're going to think, well, yeah. he's not going to do it. Yeah. You're not going to do it. Well, everyone had different strategies. People were like, all right, I'm going to inspect everyone's package unless you all bribe me because bribery is part of the game. Mm. And like, oh, man, Stan, do we have to? Yes, I'm thinking of a number. And if you meet the number, Everyone gets off scot-free, and you can smuggle as much as you want. But if you don't meet my number, I'm like, oh, this is how these systems work, right? This is it's how corruption funny. takes hold. Whoa, too soon. Too soon. Oh, yeah, too close yeah. to home. Yeah. Yeah. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sheriff of Nottingham ruined it for everyone. Ruined it. You can never play those games again. <laughs> I was playing uh, Saints Row 4, which is a video game that makes fun of, like, a, a gangster becoming the president of the United States. Uh-huh. Not funny anymore. No. no, even two, three years later, I'm like, this isn't funny. No. Yeah. yeah. There's a, well, we've talked about this, there's a haunt in yeah. Widow's Walk, the expansion for Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yes. It's called Make America Disintegrate Again. And it was funny last <laughs> April. No, I'm sorry. Now it's, it's not funny. Now it's okay. not I don't funny. want America to disintegrate <laughs> under any circumstances. But it's, it is actually It's still very actually clever. a funny, clever card. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's still funny. It's still good. It's, it's still a good play game. on words. But I want to play Betrayal House on the Hill now. Okay. I good. want you to. Let's do it. See? All yeah. right. Do you on. have it? Do you have a copy of it? I do, I actually, but I don't have the expansion. I do. You're talking to the right person. Mm. All right. Well, I wasn't angling for it, but hey. No, it's okay. Yes. You're a friend of the show. Oh, yes, I'm a friend of the show. Ooh, <laughs> this ooh, is look, him bluffing. He's doing little, it like, oh, yeah. I would like some Perrier, please, and a breath mint. Oh. Well, we don't have that. Oh, all right, never mind. breath mint, remember? Ryan, we need, we need Perrier. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, it's sure like M&M's without the green ones. Yeah. Oh, yep. Wolfgang's writer just came over. Did you see Wait. the crap that's on there? Yeah, look at this. Separated out by color? Right. The first I'll three appearances it. are relatively inexpensive. But. We want them a fourth time. Crazy. So and what's going do. on uh, uh, with uh, uh, Cobalt Press? Oh, Cobalt Press. So much stuff. How have you spent the last six months? Uh, well, <laughs> what did um, you do last? Uh, well, uh, things and stuff. Um, we <laughs> Sounds good. We did something that probably violates some of the c- 
codes and guidelines here. We did a Kickstarter for something called Demon Cults and Secret Societies, a fifth edition compendium of um, demon cults and secret societies. Nice. Yeah. So that funded, oh, that was months and months ago, back in the fall. I remember, yeah. yeah. It's like ancient history. That's yeah. ancient history. So now we're getting yeah. ready to deliver that. We're doing all the work that comes after that funding part. My yeah. God. Yeah, I know. So we're going to so press So you actually do, like use the funds to yeah. make the product? Strangely, <laughs> every single time. Wow. Yeah, it's a budget, not a salary. Um, it's <laughs> Is that like your mantra? Like the, the force is with me and I'm yeah, with yes. the force? Yes, I'm with the force. It's a budget, not a salary. <laughs> I like to see Wolfgang we'll, we'll angrily typing away. It's a budget, budget not a salary. Why? Gotta why? finish the book. <laughs> well, it's been a blast because it's, so dark, right? And it's creepy, <laughs> and it's full of um, bad guys that I don't think I would have gotten away with when I worked like in the walls at Watsi, right? Oh. It's like we had a code of things we could do and couldn't do. Oh, right. right. The yeah. comics code, the, like the comics code, and yeah. yeah, you know what the movie code: keep one foot down on the floor at all times. I don't know what all these things. Mean. Right. Different codes, but. Um, was yeah, there was only so much like evil, vaguely satanic stuff that would fly, and in the second edition era, none of it did. So yeah. every time I, I look at it and I say the title is "Demon Cults and Secret Societies," I say mm. to myself, "I'm getting away with something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great." <laughs> so, um, so you can go dark. You can finally go can dark. Go really, You've been really keeping dark. all of that stuff in the back of your mind. Well, yeah. So there's the dark side, and then there's the cheerful light side of stuff I've been doing too. And you guys actually helped with this. Um, there was uh, something called uh, Geek Girl Scout. Yes. Girlscout.com. Uh, they asked me to show up and DM 5th edition D&D <gasps> for a ton of Girl Scouts. What? Yes. Here locally? Locally. Uh, it was over in Bellevue. And, like, my neighbor is connected to the Western Washington Girl Scouts, etc. And she said, she sent me the email. It was the most charming thing. You you know people in that role-playing stuff? Do you, do you know <laughs> Aww. I was like, oh, like, Wendy. Yes, I do. <laughs> Why, yes, I do. And and I put out a call. I was like, you know, can anybody from Watsi show up? Would that be cool? Could you send some T-shirts or something? And they did. And Good and job. so I show up, Great. and, like, there were 40 Girl Scouts. To play d To play D&D. And oh, I was I one of, them. like, seven or eight Game Masters, Dungeon Masters. There were high school kids. There were uh, women who were troop leaders. There were other old crusty gamers like me who <laughs> ran the game. But, I mean, the girls were all like 12, 13, somewhere around that age. And they were charming, and they were just like every other convention table I've ever had, but cuter, mm. right? Like, you go to a convention, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. These girls had played like two or three times. They're like, I know to roll a d20. What's my damage? I don't know. Did they have characters? They did. They brought their own characters. Oh, wow. So like there were two elves and there was a ranger. And then there was like the girl who I know is going to be a goth in later life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. She, She was like, all right, I've got my cloak down and no one can see my eyes. I'm like. All right, Maya. You're like, I'm you're like, I know you. I know you. I've seen that character before. <laughs> and she was like not wanting to get beat up by the this was a homebrew scenario and it was it was kind of scary for a Girl Scout scenario, I thought. <laughs> when I read it, I'm like, this is every 90s slasher flick trope ever. Mm. Right? Like the monsters were stuffed animals and toys that come to life and oh, try to kill children. No. Well, that's creepy. What? Yeah. Well, they don't try to kill children. They try to kidnap children. Excuse me. I overstated it. But, but still, toys are creepy. Yeah, yeah the toys are creepy. Toys and the best one was Mr. Grumpy. 
Mr. Grumpy was the stuffed teddy bear Aww. who a child brought into the place where they had discovered that something strange was going on. And then the gas rises and mists and illusion and magic goes off. And all of a sudden, all the children who've brought their toys to the square, well, their toys have grown to huge, enormous size. And Mr. Grumpy is a giant bear with, like, knives for claws and big glowing eyes. And they had a handout to show the picture to the Girl Scouts. I'm like... Okay, I'm pretty sure I've seen this in a slasher flick, but okay, girls, here it is, Mr. Grumpy, slasher killer teddy bear. And they all went, oh my God. And they were like, all right, we've got to make a plan. Let's take this down. Oh, nice. I love it. Like, oh, Girl Scouts, you're prepared. They this are, awesome. That's yeah. pure D&D, too. It was. They did the teamwork. <coughs> They're like, oh, the wizard wants to catch the firebolt on the ranger's arrow. I'm like... Okay, technically not in the rules, but so cool. Yes, you give them points for that. I gave them points for that, and I said, all right, hit, go. And they, you know, they did the little teamwork, and the little assassin girl kind of snuck around. The little assassin girl. Well, she wanted, she was playing a rogue, but she so wanted to turn to the dark side. And it it was a blast. And then afterwards... We got to hand out like a couple of players' handbooks that, that Wizards thoughtfully provided and some t-shirts and some dice. Nice. And they were all like, yay, when do we play again? That is so cool. So yeah, it totally blew my mind to see that large a crowd of um, young gamers, frankly, right? Yeah. yeah. Who just aren't what I think of because I think, I don't know, I'm crusty convention crusty goers. Crusty convention goers. Yeah. And I know that's not the case either because I went to Gamehole Con in, in November. Mm-hmm. And that was a blast. Uh, Mike Merles and Jeremy Crawford and others were there. Yeah. Perkins, I think. And Perkins. I love that show. Yeah, it's a great show. Yep. A lot of industry people, um, but a lot of young gamers too, right? So it's like the crusty older crowd yep. and some industry people, and then it's like, uh, wow, it's Frank Menser. Uh, okay, <laughs> right? This is great. So at that show, I had a sense that there were a lot of younger people playing yep. and involved as well. They had True Dungeon there. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, right. That was the, one of the first times they'd done it. Not in Gen Con. Not in Gen Con. Yeah. yeah. So cool. I don't know who at Gamehole to thank for that, but probably, um, probably Alex. Alex. Yeah. It's all Alex. <laughs> he, but yeah. he hustles. He's a, he's a hustler. So yes. with the Girl Scouts, did they get a, like a special role-playing badge for this? Or what, what well, was the, the Geek event? Girl Con thing, yeah, oh. there is a gaming badge of some kind. Yeah. Um, and Should it's not just D&D. It's, it's just gaming generally. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a game design, or they have to do something beyond just play. Yeah. Um, There's like stages of it, right? Like you yeah, play, and then you, you get play, and then you do something else. Advanced. And I, I forget. I wasn't trying to earn the badge, so I don't have to. Do <laughs> you weren't trying to level up. Uh, you were no, like, no, I've already come in knowing all this stuff. <coughs> we worked with a group in in Southern California who was actually that's what I was designing a badge yeah. for their troop because they had been uh. doing. It was a a, a father of of a, of a Girl Scout who'd been running like an event a couple of times, and they wanted to go so far as to design the badge for it. Yes, like, yeah. And we we learned a little bit about like the ins and the outs of the politics yep. of designing badges and How everything. How you get to have a badge? Yeah, I suspect there's. A bunch to it. Yeah, I just you know volunteered and, and, and played some games. It got well, to play some nice games, and that's right? all you need. Yeah. Oh my god, there was pizza and the snack table. Let me tell you, the Girl Scouts know how to snack. They do they have do. cookies? I there hope. were cookies. I was promised cookies, and cookies were delivered. Uh, nice. So I was paid in cookies. <laughs> I will. I will work for cookies. You're like, I will take that bag of yeah. uh, thin yeah. mints, please. Oh, Transfat is the best fat. Although they don't have trans fat in their cookies. No, they, they've gotten healthier. It's all sugar now. It's yeah. all made from real Girl Scouts. Just, just yeah. sugar. <laughs> <laughs> but but Girl Scouts that were raised on a healthy diet. Right, grass fed Girl Scouts. <laughs> grass fed. Mm, free range. Cage free. Artisanal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. 
guy. Well, that's awesome, man. And they yeah. just had another event uh, this weekend, This right? past weekend, which I couldn't make it to, and I'm like, ah. Oh, Someone else is running my table. Uh, you got to give me more warning, and I'll go to the next one. I I know they are doing another one in February, and I don't have the dates yet. But I think it's going to be a month. This is an event. ongoing thing. Well, they couldn't do December because the holidays yeah. are just yeah. too much. But I think every month except December, they are running a game. Oh, sweet. And most months, it's going to be D and D. And then there was some talk about an anime RPG of some kind. The girls mm. all got excited about that. And I, okay, fine, change of pace. Sure. Uh, yeah. Or you know whatever it is they want to play but um yeah they bring in people my hope is eventually i will show up and a girl scout will be running the game yeah and i will just say i want to play whatever that's a good idea because that's always yeah. the hardest part is is making people take that leap from from player to dungeon yeah. master yeah yeah it is and you know we don't want to scare them off we want it to be fun and exciting and great yeah uh and my thinking going in was well you know how do i win them over and my thinking going out was these girls don't need to be won over. No. They just need more people like to play with and people to, you know, they don't need encouragement. They just need to, someone to get a copy of the DMG <laughs> and, start and start running, running their games. own. Yeah. Um, and I, I suspect if I go next time, they'll tell me, okay, well, you know, Katie's our, our dungeon master now Doing and it. she's running it in between these monthly meetups. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. Oh, God, I want more Katie's. Get yep. more Katie's out there. Katie's. Yeah. They're yeah. great. So uh, Girl Scouts of Western Washington, well done. Uh, other Girl Scout troop leaders out there, hey, go do this. It's cool. Talk to uh, geekgirlscout.com, I think. Oh, they right. actually have a website. Geekgirlscout.com. I think that's right. Do it. Yeah. If not, Google. Google it. How many of these things can there be? Well, maybe more, more than I think. More. Make sure yeah. safe yeah. search is on. <laughs> when you yes, <laughs> always a good move. Yes. Uh, so cool. What else? So what? Uh, uh, you were in the thick of that mm-hmm. over the last uh, couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, what else is happening? What else is happening? Well, all right. If you're going to make me talk about my own campaign, this is what we are. Yeah, exactly. You're going to make. I'm me, prompting right. you. Okay, I will. <laughs> I'll take that bait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jump right into it. <laughs> Uh, so some years ago, I published a little thing called the Midgard campaign setting, and it was published like for um, Pathfinder and Fantasy Age and 13th Age and all these other systems. And lately, people have been saying to me, when's the 5th edition version coming? Why are you slacking? What's your problem? <laughs> yeah. right? What's your problem? What's your problem? What's your problem? Because <laughs> that's the way gamers talk, right? right. <laughs> I want this thing a lot. What's wrong with you? Um, and why haven't you given it to me Why yet? haven't you given it to me yet? I, want, I have money that needs to be spent. And I'm like, oh, I've been working on it all summer, and I've got help, and we've got plans, and there's maps, and it's coming. And we're, we're kick-starting the 5th edition Midgard campaign setting um, this month, January. Oh. oh. Yeah, it's not out yet, but it probably will be by the time this thing airs. Is this the announcement? Uh, we've Ish. sort of been broadly hinting to anyone who will listen, but yeah, this is kind of it, right? Cool. Um, we're, we're doing a whole bunch of stuff for it. Oh my goodness, we have gone out on a limb. And that's the nice thing about like being the founder of the company, is you say, this is my baby and I want it to sing. And like, Let's throw resources and talent at it. That happens. Good. So, yeah, you know, there are awesome campaign settings out there. I, I believe the Forgotten Realms has done quite well. Yeah, people, people know about I've it. I've heard of that Yeah, one. and I've been playing in Ravenloft, mm-hmm. and I've been having a blast with that. But um, I'm like, well, why, why not? People why ask not? me. They have, they have inquired, and I've said, why, yes. Yes, we shall. There's uh, 
new races, new arcane traditions. We're taking all the deep magic stuff that I talked about, I yeah. think, last time. Yeah. We're rolling that like into the spellbook part. Oh, that of makes this. sense. So like a player's handbook. If so you for, will. for for listeners who may not know Midgard, uh, yeah. what's the what's, oh, right. what's the elevator no, what's pitch the, for the it? Elevator pitch for it. Mm. Um, it's always harder to explain your own world. But, yeah. Um, but the elevator pitch is it is a dark world of deep magic. It is a um, dark flavored fantasy set in a very European sort of place mm -hmm. where everything has been put through a deep fantasy lens. So there's the Shadow Realm, there's the last Queen of the Elves, there's a slew of warring cities, and there's dwarves who have a sort of Switzerland. Um, the Swiss mm. dwarves are kind of favorites Swiss of mine. Dwarves. Well, you know, Gary Gygax comes from a Swiss background, right? Gygax is a Swiss name, and he loved pole arms and glaives and guisarms and halberds. So I said, you know, dwarves being Swiss, I don't know, this seems right to me. Um, are they also like politically neutral between all those warring yeah, parties you were just talking anybody about? Anybody who gives them money gets their pikes and crossbows and spellcasters oh. on their side. They're mercenary, frankly. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're like the Swiss bank side of things rather than the Swiss chocolate side of things. Yeah, they <laughs> really are. Because if you look at your, your history of like Switzerland in the 13th, 14th, and 15th centuries, they kicked everyone's butt. Oh my goodness. They just hired out and would like, for a, for a fee, they'd go kick the Spanish or the Italians or the French. Yeah. They love kicking the French and the Germans. Oh, it was horrible. Anyway, <laughs> so I said, why not take a group like that and make these mean dwarves? So yeah. Midgard has mean dwarves. It has a big Norse section, as you'd expect with that name. Yeah. Uh, Yggdrasil has roots into the setting. Uh, you can actually climb up the world tree the, yeah, from places. Uh, and there are elder gods who walk around a wasteland of blasted, mm, what do we call it? Wasteland? Yeah, we call it the Western Wastes. It's sort of like if every black mana swampland crossed with every Cthuloid nightmare, mm. that's the section that we call the Western Wastes. And I thought to myself, adventurers are going to hate it, and GMs are going to have to convince them to lure them in. And actually, no. No. <laughs> they're like, we want swamps. Well, yeah. they're like, it's... Deadly, dangerous, highly magical, full of goblins and, and Cthuloid monstrosities and, you know, piping at the gates of dawn, eldritch, unholy, madness. Yeah, that's that's the theme here. Great, let's go! <laughs> <laughs> There's not even any, like, loot or anything there. Like, what would... What, what, I may have hinted at Oh, more. that's uh, where Ancient yes. tombs that's everywhere. That's where it all came in. You could make it sound as nasty as you possibly can. If you hint that there's a gold piece there, man, right. they, people are on it. Yep. They think you're throwing out hooks. They're not thinking yeah. that you're... Uh, no, really, I'm trying to warn you off, guys. It's for your own... <laughs> I want your characters to survive to, you like, third die. level. Fourth? How about fifth level? Come on, work with me, people. <laughs> but they're like, nope, let's trudge through the swamp. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, and the one thing that the the Waste to West doesn't have that the rest of Midgard does, leyline magic, it's one of these things where we set up giant resonant fields, and you can... All right, we're monkeying with the magic rules. As we speak. Yeah. As we speak. I am not yeah. surprised. And, and the Western Waste is the place where that little trick that players come to rely on doesn't work anymore. Oh, so you're like so taking you, that away from yeah, them. Yeah, you as give well. them a toy and you take it away. Aww. It's only that one part of the section where I told them not to go. <laughs> all the learn. signs, all the That'll signs. I'll learn them. All the signs say, do not go here. Mm -hmm. So we're having a blast. That's going to have um, 
Oh my. I hope we get like enough funding to make the free GM screen happen and all the deep magic compilations and all the extras. We'll see. So we, I mean, we talked about this a little bit when you came here last time, but you know, it's worked obviously for you guys. But do you feel hamstrung by the fact that you have to do so many ancillary products to the one that you actually are want to make ever? Yeah. Not hamstrung. Maybe that's the wrong stronger word. I mean, do you feel so? I'm of two minds about it. On the one hand, I love having more stuff, right? Stuff is good. Stuff is good. And just saying, here, people, uh, we have enough funds to do this new cool thing, like with the Toma Beast, right? At, at one point, it became clear it was a hit on Kickstarter, and people wanted it. And we said, we could take this money right here and print up a bunch of, like, cardboard pawns and just give them to everybody who's our backer in print. So we did. Um and other times it's, we would like to commission some art from Ben Wooten or a short story by Ed Greenwood. So we did, right? Um, it's wonderful that Kickstarter enables all that. The, the downside to all the extra goodies is at some point, like my sensible financial side says, how much does that weigh? What's yeah, that going right? to do to our postage? What's that going to do to our timeline? Well, we're adding another chapter. How long is that going to take to write, edit, layout, proof, and print, right? Yeah. It's like, so So at a certain point, I feel like there's diminishing returns. Like, I know there are Kickstarters that, like, promise the world for the next three years, the mini of the month club or whatever it is. Um, so I try to cap it at a certain point. It's like, okay, we can do this much in a time frame where people aren't going to get antsy about yeah. where is it. Um, and things like a DM screen or whatever, or, you know, cardboard pawns, those are kind of tangential to the main purpose of, hey, we're making a cool RPG book for, for D&D. Yeah. So, so I'm more inclined to do those kind of things these days. Um, all the other stuff like mugs and T-shirts and whatever, no. I, I don't think people really value them. When I get one in a Kickstarter, I'm like, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, how yeah. often am I going to wear my, maybe, okay, I, I actually have worn my <laughs> Orient <laughs> Express a, t-shirt yeah. for Call of Cthulhu a couple of times because I, I really like that one. But but most of the time, that's not yeah. not what people are signing up for. It sort of um, distracts from the main effort, which is, hey, we got to play test all this stuff. we got to work on this. we got to do the best possible art. we got to, you know, knock it out of the park. And if you're worrying about 12 other incremental little add-ons that aren't add-ons to the main book, um, yeah, at some point you're chasing squirrels all over. Yeah. Well, and you, and you guys have enough of like an infrastructure where you've kind of figured out the way to do that. Yeah, for well, most things. Although there are still times when like, you know, European postage is just a nightmare oh for God. us yeah. and for our customers and like, even the Canadian thing. Oh, oh God. I guess I could rant. No, am I going to rant about the Canadian postage? <laughs> no, I'm not. That's not a story. Just be. know that it's a thing. It was a oh, thing, it and it was so, so painful. And the customers had a bad experience, and I lost a bunch of money, and the shipping company heard from me a lot. And it was yeah. just like, oh, there was no way to see this coming, really, except to screw it up. Um, you know, those weight categories and which shipper you choose, it all makes a difference. Nobody cares about that when they're at the gaming table. No, they right. just want the product. They yeah, just want they don't the know product. How it, care they don't about care how, how it, it shows that. up. But what they do say is, you know, I want it to be reasonably on time and I want it to be great. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we try to focus our efforts. And we do a lot of stretch goals that are like, hey, we're going to do more art for the book or we're going to do a better 
layout for the book or, or whatever it is we're going to do, better paper or hardcover or new chapter. See, I feel like those stretch goals are are, are, are better. Yeah. yeah. More, more better designed by game designers to right. be like, hey, we just yeah. want the resources to be able to have this stuff Right. Better, you know, for you. Yep. Yeah. We're gonna I like make that. a bigger, better, more beautiful, better tested, better edited book. Yeah. So, what is the secret to a successful Kickstarter? I mean, I know you you have a lot of people who <laughs> support you and love you and will throw I, money at you regardless. I'm only laughing because of the eyes of Wolfgang like bugging out. Like, I don't know. It's such a crowded it is. space now, especially for it game is. makers. Well, how are you standing out? Well, I'm standing out by having started doing this ten years ago. Right. You're a pioneer. Well, I did it before there was, in fact, a Kickstarter platform. I did a bunch of crowdfunding 15 times. Before- you did? Oh, yeah. In fact, I won an award for it, I'll have you know. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick my Pulitzer on it. I, it was the <laughs> Diana Jones Award for uh, gaming for the patronage business model. I didn't call it crowdfunding. I called it patronage. I remember that. Oh, nice. And it was like, they're like, oh, people just pay you directly. How cool is that? And if I'd been really smart, right, I would have said, yeah, they've given me an award for a business model. How the hell did that happen? There's something here. There's something here that I should turn into a software platform, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. No, hindsight. And I would, have, I would have gone to do Kickstarter. But I'm so glad they did because it's... It's easier I, when they do it? It's easier when they do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Um, there's so much work on the sort of infrastructure side and, and convincing people that you know, their money is actually going to the thing they want it to go to. Yeah, so you're a, obviously a trusted And, and some source. of that is trust, right? And some of it is if you start small and build your audience and actually deliver every time, you might do a Kickstarter for 500 bucks and say, I'm going to deliver this PDF. This is sort of what Patreon is now, Yeah. right? Like people give you a little money at a time, and that's like, all right, we trust you with five bucks this month, <laughs> right? All right, we're going to trust you with 25 bucks this month. And if you continually reinforce the fact that, yeah, really, you're here. You're going to be here. You're going to be here the next month, and it's good product is going to show up reasonably on time and to spec, um, then you do well, right? Um, the other thing you need to stand out with Kickstarter right now is you actually kind of need to have written a lot of your game or have a playable prototype if it's more a board game thing. Like have it done already. Have it done already. That's what we did with Demon Cults and Secret Societies, right? It was largely done when we kickstarted it. And so we're going to press now a couple months later, right? oh, <laughs> which, yeah. cool. which is ridiculously quickly, right? Um, and, yeah, and if was, you had gone from start to finish, being like, oh, when this is done, now we have the funds, now let's do Now let's work. do it. And it was with Tomo Beasts. It was like, well, we started a year before we kickstarted it. Mm. And so we'd written half of it, and we'd paid for illustration on a quarter of it. And if the Kickstarter had fallen flat, I was in trouble. But <laughs> you'd but have you, your five-year-old drawing right. some people beasts. think right. The Kickstarter is where the money comes from, and unfortunately, the reality now is you actually need to spend some money ahead of time, yeah, uh, or spend a lot of time writing it ahead of time, right? Uh, and if you tell people in big bold letters, it's already written. I need money for an editor, and I'd love to pay a cover artist, right? That's yeah. why I'm kickstarting it. I'm not kickstarting it for me. I'm kickstarting it for these other things. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the first Cobalt project was, is I need to hire an editor, and I'd love to pay an artist. Right. And and then build on that success. This is for you. Yeah. You out there, those people. There are a ton yeah. of people out there doing cool little Kickstarters. They don't all have to be, what, a Kingdom Death, right? Oh, it's God, yeah. One what was that? One million 
so crazy that 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 yeah skyrocketed. It did, and it's cool, and I sort of get why it did, but yeah. I'm still boggled, right? And I shouldn't be because uh, the Reaper Bones thing, minis Kickstarters can do very well. Yeah, that's a whole nother. Oh yeah, that's my answer to your question. Okay, I knew make I minis. That. Be a minis company with a 20-year track record. That's a success story for Kickstarter. <laughs> All right. There you go. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Right. Be Reaper Start Minis. Now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually sad but true. But, like, you're right. Kickstarter kind of started as this, you know, uh, the people being able to make games or, or, or make anything. Right. Right. And that was their pitch. And then it kind of morphed into, all right, people who are tried and true and know what they're doing can use can Kickstarter as an alternate form of well, it, right. It used to be a small business would go to the bank, yeah. and the bank would say, "You want one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to print a book full of monsters? How is this a business plan? Right? right? How is this a reasonable use of the funds that the community has entrusted us with? We here at, at Potter's Bank do not. Approve, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> we don't approve of your highfalutin tabletop ways, and that's it, right? Yeah. You had no alternative other than yeah. those sorts of sources, unless maybe you had a banker in your gaming group, or like yes. a rich relative. Well, okay, those are alternate paths, sure, <laughs> <laughs> but those are few and far between. Yeah, well, I wasn't that fortunate, so. Um, <laughs> Many of us aren't. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I look at DMs Guild and I see people just taking a chance with it. Um, I look at Kickstarter yeah. and I say, yeah, that's where a whole lot of new talent's coming. I'm kind of curious. I heard these rumors that uh, that Ooh, Wizards. Rumors. Yeah, I love rumors. Yeah, Wizards has you know looked at um, like the DMs Guild and has decided whatever. Some people there are the hot new talent that no one's ever heard of before. Yeah. I don't know. And, and then signed what them are on? they doing with them? I don't know. Crushing their dreams? No, no, <laughs> no. No, we're building their dreams. <laughs> the opposite saying, how would you like to design an official product for oh. See, I don't know if that's true or if that's just a rumor that goes around like the DMs Guild communities. But no, that is true. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's official yet, so I can't oh. really comment. But that I was think that was I, always the intention. A year though. ago, when the Dungeon Mistress Guild was was first started, and we're up to like a, a year. Yeah, at it this is about yeah, a year. It's yeah. almost the, um, exactly a year. That was uh, one of the the tenets was that this would be a way f- to collect all of the stuff that Dungeon Masters are making, uh, yeah. and they didn't have an outlet for and it. take the best of it. And right, and the cream would kind of rise to the top, and yeah. they'd be like, "All right, then these are people that we." So that is think actually going to happen. Okay, I believe so. Good. I can't confirm or deny. Can't confirm or deny. I see, I just throw these rumors out there. I know, but I'm gonna, it, but at some point, perhaps. Yeah, well, that's the that's the word on the street. The word on the street. Ooh. Wow, I've never been this street before. You are <laughs> the street. You are. You are the source. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was pointing to Brian to cue our, our outtakes where I'm doing uh, bad rapping. Oh dear! Because <laughs> I was like the perfect moment so that it would come. All right, I definitely need to hear that. No, 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 I don't. no one shall. No one shall. Yeah, Ooh, except for people in this room. Wait, you are in this room. Dang it! Oh come on now. <laughs> it's on so good. It's so good. We've talked about Jan Hammer and Miami Vice. There needs to be a musical cue for every episode, right? Oh gosh, yeah. Like Ride of the Valkyries for Midgard or. Miami Vice or Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates, Hall and Oates. Is a, is a, yeah, yeah, the go-to. We did yeah. that a lot. Yeah, Yacht Rock or uh, I'm in the shower. What was that one? <laughs> Teddy <laughs> Pendergrass. Teddy Pendergrass. Oh god. <laughs> we had a little. We had a phase. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. He's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. Well, so you have a studio, right? You should be cutting 
wacky indie records like nerdcore stuff. Oh, that's a great idea, actually. A D and D soundtrack. I know you're in the new newish studio. I think? know it's never been this nice before. Yeah, it, like I remember the first time it was. Like, you know, sort of a cafeteria. An office. With, um, <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, whatever. There's yep. a microphone, I'll talk. Yeah. But now look at you with the, the microphone. The baffling. The baffling. I'm baffled by the baffling. It's true. Learning and, things. And, yeah, secret charts that I should probably discuss. <laughs> What's Com- that tome over there? Memory. Yeah, if you turn on the black light, there's Don't like. Don't open that book that says do not open. Oh, but come on. It's <laughs> All locked. future D&D products stored here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what's this memo? Future product plans 2017. Greg don't. Tito's performance evaluation? Please no, don't show this to Wolfgang. <laughs> but I'm curious, what could it be? <laughs> Drink me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah. You guys have been playing it close to the vest lately. I'm really happy with the Tales from the Yawning Portal right. announcement. Oh, what do you think? How fun is that going to be? Well, I mean, part of me was like, yay, a new product. And part of me was like, but I already have these products. So I was a little mixed on it, but that's because I'm an old, crusty gamer. Yeah. I think for all the people who haven't played Tomb of Horrors or any of the you know classics that you're revisiting, it's great. Did you g- convert yours? Well, no. We've, we've the, done that work for you. I know, right? It's yeah. like I can just run it. I can run against the Giants. Yeah. And I'm like, well, last time I ran against the Giants, I was 22 maybe. Yeah. Right? It's been a while. Like well, just a few months ago. Yeah, just a few months yeah. ago. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I could run that. And I remember... I remember making my players miserable with those ranged See, boulders. this is what it's doing. It's bringing back all those wonderful memories. I know. <laughs> well, well there's I such mean, a creatively, I'm always torn between do you do nostalgia or do you do something new, right? And I love the nostalgia stuff, and I totally get the appeal, and I want it. Mm. But, like, when it's time for me to say, should Cobalt Press do a new thing or an old thing? It's like it took some arm twisting for me to actually say, all right, Midgard, we're going to revisit it. It's been five years. We should take another right. look at yeah. the core book. Because it feels like it's not a retread. People are happy to have it. Oh, it sounds like but you're adding a ton of stuff yeah, to it. Yeah, we are. Oh, my goodness, we are. I want to show you the art, but it's difficult in this medium. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Soon we might do videos of this, so maybe you could are do you that. Seriously? Seriously? What? Maybe. What? Really? Yeah. Next time Wolfgang's back, maybe. I we'll am going to have to put um, a soft focus lens into my rider. <laughs> oh, and, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, with you there. We'll get some Vaseline. We'll just put the Vaseline on yeah, the lens. I don't know. About the we're going to have to get hair and makeup, you realize. Well, and craft services. Only for Ryan. Right, well, but my real question <laughs> he's is, the only one hey, that, he's going to be on When are you going to hit the nostalgia button for Barrier Peaks, right? That's my, like, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. haven't seen it yet. I know. There's some veggie pygmies out there, though. There are. There are. But, I mean, but the, the nostalgia stuff, I mean, I guess there's going to be part of the it's two audiences. Right. There's the two uh, people who uh, had those adventures or at least have heard of those adventures and never Way back played them. when. Right. Right. And then be like, oh, I can revisit it and play with my current group now. Uh, and there's and people who've just heard about them. Yes. And never got to play them, and they get the fun now. Exactly. And so I'm like, this is brilliant. Um, it hits all those old buttons. Of course, and the other half of me is like, okay, they've done a nostalgia one. That's cool. So the next one's got to be a new thing. Mm. Mm. It could be. That's my theory. You That's true. I'm sticking. A, do you think there's like a pattern here? I don't know. I'm going to look at this future product plans. <laughs> don't <memo>. open that <laughs> book. <laughs> don't open the book. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 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 Knock spells. You failed me. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you so guys are doing we, good if we stuff. were going to do a new thing, what would you want? What would you want from uh, from Dungeons and Dragons? Asking Dion, for a friend. Share your peaks. After, oh, a, a new, new thing. New, 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 new like, newness. Never been done before. Never been done before. Well, see, this we're thinking Midgard. What do you think? <laughs> I think that's really the direction you should be going. It should be Norse, European flavored, dark yeah. roads, deep magic, a lot of ley lines. There's something about these dwarves, dwarves being mean, mean dwarves, and, and real Swissy. Yes. Swissy, <laughs> and uh, sort of Mr. Grumpy Teddy Bear. Wait a minute. Oh, no. yeah. worlds colliding. Well, the thing about newness is you never know, right? right. I, I kind of want like somebody to reinvent the maze of the Minotaur in a cool way because mazes have always been a disaster. I love Minotaurs. I love Minotaurs, but the maze scenarios are like a boring mapping exercise most of the time. True. So I'm like, yeah, and Chris Perkins could knock that out in like yeah. a weekend. Yeah. 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 I I think the one I want next is actually I want the really super like classic. Uh, you've got a lot of those. Mm. See, it's hard, right? It it's is not hard. easy. It's like, what do I want next? Well, I don't know, but give it to me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Make the new hotness before we know what the new I, hotness is. I have is. had this problem myself several times. People yeah. are like, oh, I love your product. I'm glad to back it. Thanks so much. What's next? I'm like, I'm working on that. Right. Mm. Yeah. TBD. TBD. Yeah. So that's so the, I <laughs> that'll name. be the acronym for the next Code thing. Name. Code TBD. name. TBD. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work for Arrested Development. <laughs> they like raised money for the disease oh. TBD. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to raise one million dollars for TBD. TBD marathon, <laughs> please. <laughs> Dig deep. We're going to end TBD. <laughs> Yeah, 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 we should. Yeah, right. We should announce Eventually, that. things will will happen, and we'll I know. know all about but it. But what I was going to say about Tales from the Underground, I like the fact that like the time between the announcement and the time to the ship date mm. seems to be getting shorter mm-hmm. and shorter. Now, I know there's still just as much work required to create that. Yeah, but <laughs> but you're being secretive about it and not announcing it until like two, three months ahead of time? Yeah. How crazy was that uh, Fallout 4 was a video game example? Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess there were rumors and swirling. There were. But, like, the real official announcement was, like, six months before the thing came Which out. Which, for a video game, is nothing. No, right. Usually it's, like, three years from now, you will be amazed. <laughs> I know. Those lead times always confuse yeah, me. Yeah. Right. I, I, and then there's so much, you know, danger that can happen when things get, yeah. you know, uh, missed. Or, so, yeah, there's part of that, but then also, like, just building excitement. Like, you can you can pack that into a much shorter window yeah. better than you can for two years. Yes. Yes. Two years Sustaining of... that is hard. <coughs> really, it's going to be great is, um, yeah. is a long haul. Well, Shelly needs to go soon. You can uh, keep talking. We can. I was going to say, you not just the same. It won't be the same. Yeah, I know. It's like, we need a third wheel. Otherwise, we'll, oh. just, we'll just fall over. Oh, oh stab through the heart. Well, well in that scenario, I'm the third wheel. You two are the are the bicycle. <coughs> We're the real. Yeah, you guys the real yeah. deal. We're the real the stars. Power generating. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel I'm full of star power. <laughs> well, you are. That's why we keep riding your coattails and having you back. <laughs> yeah, this is that famous in a very small pond thing. But thank you. We'll take it. All right, We're not well, even in the pond. Uh, yeah, you are. You work here at Wizards. <laughs> well, <laughs> did I mention I walked past a giant dragon statue coming into the office? Yeah. Well, uh-huh. How's Mitzi doing? Mitzi. Mitzi's Mitzi's fine. Kind of hungry though. Oh, She's always don't hungry. walk too close. Yeah, yeah. People lose fingers <laughs> and their pride. Mm, did yeah. you see the Roper? No. It's a Roper, isn't it? Is it? 
There's yes. a roper out right? there now? Ish. It's a roper. Yeah. It? How did I miss the roper? It's more of a stalactite. Oh. All right. I got to let people know that you have been taking over the building like one level at a time. Yeah, we, right? it's our goal. It, you have pretty much almost taken over everything. We'll say yeah. And then sure. you stock it with new additional monsters like here's a roper. Yeah. Here's some veggie pygmy something. Here's here's some axes that you can use to, uh-huh. to carve your off, way to the meeting room. Lop off the heads of the magic R&D department. Yep. We, what? No. <laughs> we need the space. Yeah. <laughs> I think they would oppose you. I think they would do. Oh, probably. They have a counter spell or something. Counter spell. All that mana they have at their disposal. You don't want to get it. The black swamps. They're just yeah, constantly they're just tapping. Constantly tapping. Funny that you should say that they're black and swamplands oh. in the magic R and D. Interesting. Department. Not plains and white. Your first reaction I was, was going. Yeah. I was going back to you know yeah. the, oh, the, the western like, wasteland. Right. Well, that's what I'll tell He's them. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think of you as swampy and evil and no. necromantic in any way. No. That's not what was intended. Mm. No, you're all. Can we walk that sunshine back? and white manna? Yes, <laughs> lions, lions oh. of R and D. So much all pride. Right. So much pride. Love them. Just love those guys. Uh, I yeah. love visiting with you guys. You're you're goofy. You're wonderful. You do such great stuff. Wow. You do too, man. That's why we invite you. Ah, oh, man. Oh, it's a love-in. Man, when did it, it turn is. into like this? I got to say something mean now. No. Oh, back to the mean dwarves. Okay. Yeah, back to the mean dwarves. Yeah. No, I'm just not, I'm not feeling the mean. See? We bring you in here, and the mean just... It just washes away. Wash away the mean. I'm ready to bounce right back out into that rainy Seattle darkness. See? Woo! Me too. Woo! <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and do some more gaming, and prep for the next Girl Scout game, and... Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited about that. You guys should come run something. Yeah, I, I want to. See, that's sort of me. You should come run something. Greg would be good at Make, that. Give me his morning, going. and I'll uh, I'll clear it with the wife, making the time. That's always I'll the hard part. i the February dates, and I'm yeah. going to hold you February to February 14th, because I think that's no. open. <laughs> it's wide open. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. Why did you come Greg's along? Pending divorce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have date night all planned. It's in Bellevue. <laughs> There's 40 other girls there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll enjoy it. It's great. They're, they're <laughs> prepared. Keep things spicy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, where can people find out about uh, the uh, Kickstarter.com? Oh yeah, Kickstarter.com. Well, um, it's CobaltPress.com. will tell you all about it. There's actually CobaltPress.com. Whack Midgard. We'll tell you about the Midgard stuff there. Whack? Is that a slash? It's a slash. It's a, I don't know. Do people call it's, it whack now? They, You're so whack. They did <laughs> when I worked with some software people. They were always whack. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Why I've are never you always heard whacking? That before. This is terrible. I'm gonna, I couldn't w- talk them out of it, but that was their use. <laughs> and now you started using and it. And now I have joined the cult. Wow, the language, slash, the language virus. Slash or whack. We can have a poll. Which do you use? Yep. All right, we're I'm asking people. Slash. All right. Make sure one of the answers is neither. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with neither slash or slash whack. <laughs> no, I can't even get uh, the joke out. I'm missing the other ones. Oh, uh, at Cobalt Press on Twitter. That's the Twitter. Facebook.com/slash Cobalt Press. See, now I can I can change languages. That's right. <laughs> you're bilingual. I'm bilingual. Oh, my goodness. I <laughs> and you're also at uh, Monkey King, is that I'm right? also at Monkey King. That's more my goofy personal account. My favorite. I, it's my favorite. I, it is actually tons of fun. I don't talk game design there all that often. I, like, tweet out maps of Constantinople from the 13th century and <sighs> stuff like that. It's so fascinating. Well... It is, actually. It I is. love that stuff. I love goofy, weird. This is what the internet is for. Yeah. Cat videos and yep. obscure trivia yeah. that gamers like. And, like, somebody was tweeting at me. Oh, I know. Alligator jawbone dice. 
They take alligator jawbones, they what? infuse them with red plastic, and then they carve them into dice. Where are they getting these? Uh, Louisiana is my best guess, but I don't know. And then they carve them into dice, and they're like, there's jawbone that's clearly bone and oh. red, and it looks like some dragon's thing, right? Dragon bone carved into dice. That's it amazing. looked really badass. I was kind of impressed. See, that's why I follow so many game designers on Twitter, because they retweet random right. stuff like random that. Random cool stuff yeah. like that. There was one that was like this circular rock formation in Sahara. It's called the Eye of the Sahara. I'd never heard of it before, but it's a real location in our world that looks totally fantasy. It's like Weird. colored rock in a circle in the middle of the Sahara That's where Desert. where the UFOs landed? That's Is where that? the UFOs landed. Oh. Or igneous rock. I don't even know. I, I, Explanation so cool about it. It just looks cool. It's, it's, and, and it's questions. You're like, I want to find out more and adventure there with my party. Yeah. Yeah. With my party. And we're going to party it. All right. Go check all right. out all those places. Yes. Thanks again do. for coming down. Thanks for having me. I loved Thanks. it. See you in six months. All right. Harry <laughs> Breath mints. There yes. will be breath mints at yes. least. Send, your, send Greg <sighs> all your requirements. So many breath so mints. So sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> Don't have Greek right. food before you come here, okay? All right. Later, guys. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Later, Thank you. Rosen. Sweet. Later, Rosen. <laughs> 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 I've never heard that before. Yes, you have. Alligator. If you lived in Wisconsin, you'd heard it. Wasn't it great talking with, uh, what's this guy's name again? <laughs> I don't know, that's <laughs> uh, no. I love, I love it when Wolfgang stops by. He's, he's all right. Yeah, he's cool. Um, yeah. He wasn't that good this time. <laughs> <laughs> he's totally not, Dude, not still next to us. We expect, I kind of expected more. Yeah. He was just well, like, ooh, like, I need water. Oh. Let's make sure we don't say that. <laughs> We won't say that on the podcast. We'll just let him know privately because that's the classy thing to do, Shelley. I know. All right, We're super a, classy. Good call. Well, I'm going to write him a note after this. Send like, him a with note. With notes and just be like, hey, this is what we thought you could improve. <laughs> <laughs> like any good editor, right. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, uh, you can find out He's about... He's the best. He is the best. Come on, we it's love true. him. true. He's doing his best not talking right now, which is amazing. Even co- like That's hard to do. <laughs> Especially with a mouthful of water. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you want to find out about uh, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, you can go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. Uh, okay. Also follow the official Twitter account. It's at Wizards underscore DND. Uh, where can they find out more about you, Shelley? For <laughs> 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 anyone, uh, maybe at a doctor's office, because I think I am going to finally get this cough checked out. It's a good thing we're not in a room. Whoa, guys, it's Hello. not contagious. Thank God we have these new spit guards. You can follow her at Shelly Moo on yeah, Twitter <laughs> and get her sickness. Um, I'm <laughs> at Greg Tito, and you can tell me uh, about how great you think the show is and or some constructive criticism, perhaps. Uh, we always want to know about uh, ways we can improve the show as well as, uh, hey, new guests to have on. Always, yes. Always, because, you know, we're, our, our old stable of guests is getting really old. Seriously. Yeah. If we have to go back to the well again. <laughs> 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 Please refer us some guests. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Leave a review and rating for us on the iTunes in case you hate us. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Yay!